Hey guys, so last week I had a chat to John Kinghorn about some really interesting topics um, and this is part two of my chat with him. So if you haven't listened to the previous one yet, go ahead and check that one out before listening to this conversation that we have and uh, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree because something like what Steve Irwin did, he had, a, as you said, he had a totally different approach to David Attenborough in sharing nature with the world and, uh, you know, guiding people and sh- uh, showing them this new, whole new world of nature and, you know, bringing them into their lounges and stuff. But, I mean, he had the opportunity to educate people about this stuff and, and that was his way and he was flipping brilliant at it. I mean, his his way he just interacts with everything and says, oh, look at this flipping awesome snake, you know. And, it, it, you know, it was so enthusiastic and it that, that was a, it's a totally different way of doing it to David Attenborough. Um, yet, and I think they both have different effects on you know what people think afterwards um and both of them are positive so it's a very fine line i think as to when to touch and when not to touch because i mean both has have you as as you said both has uh positives um and negatives so yeah people with many followers on instagram i mean on social media um have the opportunity to to share more with people because they have the, the more experience um uh, share more about nature with people but I mean there's a very fine line between doing it right and doing it wrong so I mean something we had recently was the city nature challenge by an actress I'm not sure how many people took part in that but it happened all around the world and I believe Cape Town won which is the mother city of South Africa so oh yeah that's us <laughs> but people had to go out for four days basically and observe as much nature and take pictures of them as possible so, I mean, getting up close to animals was a, a must. You know, you have to get close to it to take a photo. And that involves picking up a lizard and taking a photo of it. You know, you want to get that good shot to show the proper details. And certain species of animals and birds um, have to be taken up close to try to get that little detail. You know, maybe uh, the bill color is different and that's the only way to differentiate the species. So you need to get up close and interact with the species more so than you know, if you're just going to let it be. So that was a very, I mean, that event must have had some good and bad impact on uh, the environment, but perhaps it had a a greater, a greater impact on the good side than the negative side, because our naturalist is um, a community and a database collecting information and data about uh, nature and um, ecosystems in general. So it's 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 a very fine line, as I said, and I think um, you know people like herpers as well. They pick up snakes, they pick up um, lizards to to show people what it's like. And you get these great, you know, awesome, well-known herpers on social media who post pictures of snakes in their hands to show the world what it's like and them interacting with it to educate people. But then people might think, you know, oh, I can do that too, and they go pick up worm slung or a cape cobra, as you said, and uh, get bitten. And like, oh no, but that big shot did it. Why can't I? So it's something that definitely needs to be discussed further. Um, I think, and a lot more can come out of this this topic. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, I think you know, at the end of the day, I think you and I are on the same page in terms of, you know, what what we be we believe is is uh, a great opportunity for people or these so called influencers, like I labelled them in my query that I posed on my Instagram story. 
you know, they have a great platform and you know what, they they have the opportunity. They don't have to use it as an opportunity, but they have the opportunity to, um, you know, punt a conservation message. And uh, you know what, at the end of the day, I would obviously encourage everybody, if you don't have to pick up something, don't pick up something, you know, you know, rather, rather don't, rather don't mess with wildlife if, 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 you know, you have the opportunity not to. Um, but you know what, if you are going to be, if you, you know, if the aims to put out contents and stuff like that, don't, don't do it just so that you have a rad looking post on, you know, on the gram. Uh, you know, don't, don't do that. Rather use it as yeah. an opportunity to, you know, instead of trying to rack up the likes, use it as an opportunity to punt a conservation message, use it as an opportunity to bring to the intention, you know, more details about a specific species, um, turn it into something educational, not something to showboat the fact that you have the ability to pick up, you know, venomous snakes as an example, or that you're, you're handling birds whilst busy bird ringing, you know, stuff like that. Rather use your platform. And I think that's, that, that was my whole main thing is, you know, influencers have these path platforms. And if they, if they want to get into close contact with wildlife, not to do so to rack up likes, but to do so to punt a, a conservation message. So, you know, I think if people do that and they tread, you know, on the right side of the line that we spoke of, the, that fine line, uh, you know what, I think it's I think it's good. And ultimately, the more people you can educate, um, you know, the better. Yeah, no, that's it's really interesting. I'm so glad we brought up that topic. But uh, another thing I've really been bursting to talk to you about is um, I want a guided tour uh, in Gauteng for, uh, when uh, The Birding Life was having a Christmas competition. This was even before I was the host of The Birding Life Youth Podcast, so this was a while ago. Um, and I want a birding guided tour by you and Tony uh, from Expedition Birding um, in Gauteng. So I haven't, been, I haven't had the opportunity to get up there yet, but I really want to go birding in Gauteng, as I said. And so, um, just to just to give an idea to me as well, um, I want to ask you a bit about the birding in Gauteng, but also uh, you have this guiding business called Expedition Birding. Do you want to share a bit about what that is and how it started? Yeah, so Expedition Birding was sort of the the brainchild of Tony and, and I. Uh, once I left, I was working for you know four to five years at a very popular birding international bird tour operator. Uh, and yeah, I just reached a stage in my life where there was a couple of things that culminated all together and I had to make a decision and I ended up leaving them and focused quite a lot on my studies. Uh, and thereafter, a couple of more opportunities presented themselves to us and we sort of just sort of sat back, uh, you know, gathered ourselves again and said, you know, what is it that we actually wanted to do? And Tony and I had this shared vision, uh, and that happened to, yeah, obviously come together as expedition birding. And our, our aim is obviously to focus and run expertly run global birding, uh, tours and expeditions. Um, but also to focus on wildlife and nature in the same, you know, whilst on these tours and we pride ourselves in our passion for biodiversity as a whole. And I think if you come out birding with either Tony or, or myself, um, you know, you'll you'll ultimately not just end up birding. You'll end up flipping rocks or you'll end up, you know, taking notes of flowers or trees or whatever the case might be. We focus on all aspects of biodiversity. Obviously, 
we bearing in mind the fact that we'll get birders who are often very hardcore about the fact that they really don't or couldn't be bothered to buy a pretty little flower on the side of the road, um, you know, and that they really just want to focus on birds, 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 birds. We understand that and we respect that. Um, and obviously we'll work, you know, around around that specific client and his or her needs. So, yeah, I mean, we pride ourselves in the fact that we have, um, you know, experience as professional guides. Uh, I mean, like I said, I was I was working in the industry for over five years. Basically, once I left school, the first year out of school, I was already drafted within to that company. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to travel to a whole bunch of weird and wonderful places abroad, uh, you know, West Papua in Indonesia, um, America, all the way down into Antarctica, um, Sulawesi in Indonesia as well. Uh, I myself in my own capacity have been across to China quite regularly and into Australia. So uh, it's it's really we've had the opportunity to travel abroad and uh, we've gathered experience based on that. And we have a passion for global birding. And, um, yeah, we pride ourselves in the fact that we'll be able to put together, you know, some incredible tours for anybody who might be interested um, and provide them with a quality experience, um, you know, which they will hopefully not forget and will remember for all the good reasons. So, yeah, that's how that's how expedition birding started um and 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 obviously COVID has been interesting but you know we're riding the COVID wave and hopefully we'll come out at the end of the uh at the end of the tunnel and um yeah be be better off because of these interesting and hard times that we're being put through so I have no doubt we'll we'll come out you know better at the end of it all and then, yeah, obviously, in terms of um, gauteng birding, we're very excited to have you join us when you get the opportunity to come up here. Yeah, man, I'm super keen to finally get up there and tick some species for my South African list. So, yeah, tell us a bit about uh, the birding in that area. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, this water gauteng area is incredible. Um, you know, here within the water gauteng area, we refer to this water gauteng area uh, as the area sort of if you had to take the center points of Pretoria and Johannesburg respectively and basically you know give it a hundred kilometer radius around each of those center points it forms this uh, two overlapping circles and basically a figure of eight and that's the area we refer to as the wider Gauteng area and on a yearly basis birders set out to participate in this wider Gauteng challenge it was one of the first challenges to have ever been started um, you know now we have the wider Cape Town challenge, 150k challenge, I think it is, or something. We've got the Gardenry challenge, we've got the Zululand challenge, yeah. we've got the Overberg challenge. The challenge is everywhere. You can exactly, yeah, yeah. But way back when, the wider Gauteng challenge was the first challenge that was ever, ever, ever started. And um, so it's sure. basically the real OG of these birding challenges. And, um, you know, it's it's basically a good total in the wider Gauteng region on a yearly basis is anything in excess of 400 species. Um, but I know there are individuals who end up, I think the record is 456 species or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's within a yearly, you know, a, a yearly period. In summer, uh, depends on where you go, but anywhere in the northeastern and western parts of this wider Gauteng region, in the heart of summer, you'll probably end up with ease getting over 150, between 150 and 180 species in a day. Um, if you go down into the southeast, you're probably looking at anywhere around 120 species in a day. 
And, um, you know, even just birding in and around Johannesburg and Pretoria, you'll probably get yourself you know, between 60 and 80 species in a day, I guess. And that's just like suburban garden birding with an occasional dam or stream or whatever thrown into the mix. So it can be very, very productive. And of course, yeah, I mean, we have some of our local birding big day teams that participate. Um, you know, last, I believe it was last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, last year. Uh, we participated in birding. I think it was last year or the year before. I don't know. I don't. Know. It's time has just flown. <laughs> um. Anyway, one of the recent years. This is what happens when you approach yes. thirty. This is what happens when lockdown comes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So one of these recent attempts. I think it was last year. But anyway, um. You know, we did. We did. We did the challenge and um. Ugh, the birding big day. And I mean, we recorded 303 species in a day. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think I better get myself a new checklist for South Africa before I come up to you guys. Yeah. So I know the birding, the birding is, is ridiculous. And obviously, listen, obviously like 60% of those all on call because it's, you know, typical birding big day rules. Um, and there's a lot of the guys in our team who pride themselves on their calls, on their knowledge pertaining to calls. Um, and we put a, a lot of hard graft in learning our calls for the area. And obviously, you know, we are guides. A lot of our guiding takes place within the area that, that, that we do our big day route on. So, you know, we're familiar. We spend a lot of hours. I think in the build up to the day where we got 303 species, I think I'd done back to back day trips there for like the past three weeks in the build up to that specific, um, that specific day. So there were small things like there was a yeah. pair of red throated rhinecks that were busy nesting in some blue gums in some dodgy little abandoned farm settlement. And, uh, you know, the only reason I found that was because we'd been guiding there, you know, a couple of days prior and, you know, every species counts on a day like a big day. So, um, it was small things like that, that assisted with the rear king and, uh, yeah, you know, ultimately, in a nutshell, I can sit here and talk for hours about the Wadakhateng area, but it's amazing, it's incredible, and it's underestimated um, in terms of, yeah, I mean, people think Joburg, Pretoria, not a lot of birds, it's a city. At the end of the day, the minute you get abroad and away from that, and I mean, these places are like 30 to 40 minutes away, respectively, from either Joburg or Pretoria, uh, you get into some hotspot birding areas sure. that absolutely, absolutely pump. So, yeah, it's incredible. Well, then, maybe instead of sitting here for hours and talking about all the spots, how about do you perhaps have a couple of hotspots that you would recommend or uh, could share as to what you think people should be going to see in Gauteng or maybe some highlight species that people should look out for. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, it depends on what season. Um, I would definitely suggest, um, one of the most common places or most well-known places that people visit in summer specifically, uh, is this road called Zachel's Drift Dirt Road, uh, which joins on, well, ends sort of on, uh, in the in the town of, um, Homo Homo. And uh, Homo Homo is basically translated into cow cow. Um, and that's because there are just cattle everywhere. Though. So, yeah, Homo Homo and the Zahel Drift Road. Um, Homo Homo is basically the, uh, um, it's the Platrafir floodplain. And um, it's this massive, massive floodplain. And in summer, it gets really, really good with, with, with stuff. I mean, just this this February, March now, 
there was absolute pandemonium in that area because there was breeding striped crakes. There was one of the handful of records, handful of records of streaky breasted flufftail in South Africa. You know, there were birds breeding and calling there, um, which was mind blowing. Um, you know, so it was really, 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 really productive. Uh, there was a black cuckoo that was recorded calling there. Nobody did see it, but it was recorded calling. So, yeah, Zaha Drift and Khomokhomo was amazing. Um, the areas around Rista Vinta um, are also fantastic. That's sort of directly north of Pretoria. And then going more eastwards, um, Kombo Dam is fantastic. It's uh, also an OG. Uh, it really is. It's a very popular area to go birding in summer. Fantastic for passage migrants, waders that might stop there. Grey plovers, Caspian plovers. There was African skimmer there earlier this year as well. There's been gold bull turn there. Uh, there's been golden plover there. I think, I believe, America maybe I don't know I'm speaking under correction it was a while ago um, but there has no, been a, nice yeah week. there has been a golden plover there as well um, pectoral sandpiper lesser jacana has been there so it's a very 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 productive area uh, moving further yeah. east Vilcher River Valley and the Flaklachter grasslands are also firm favourites of mine uh, moving into the southeast, the Devon grasslands Sakerbos Rand Nature Reserve all fantastic spots to go birding in and then um, yeah I mean I probably I, I, I tend to for some obscure reason avoid the south west of our region um i think it's because most of the birds one can find elsewhere um but i think if a lot of people a lot i think if people spend a lot more time in those areas they'd probably end up turning some other weird and wonderful stuff you know up as well the areas around how to be a sport dam and the cradle of humankind stuff like that those those listen those areas are all good it's grassland predominantly and they're all good for the likes of like cokey franklin white-bellied busted um you know those are all still relatively good relatively good birds for birders and uh, they're still great destinations to go to nonetheless so yeah i definitely say if birders are here in our area within the summer months they need to target the northeast western and northern sections of the region whereas if they were here in winter their best bet is probably to tackle sort of the southeastern sections areas around sacred Rants and devon we get a lot of altitudinal migrants that come through as well uh, take a brush run just the other day um, there was yellow-breasted pippet and sickle-wing chat that got picked up as well again birds moving down from extremely yeah. high altitudes in the Drakensberg and obviously coming down to slightly less higher altitudes in and around our southeasterly uh, part of the region um, black harriers come in blue cranes come in in good numbers and there's this stalwart wattled crane that sticks with a blue crane flock every single year and uh, they also come through as well. And oh, we've even had occasional records of bush black cap in winter as well. Um, there was, I twitched one, I remembered my, my matric year. I still, I still bunked a class. Um, got in my car and I drove all the way back. It was in a garden just near my house. Uh, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not missing this bird. So got in my car, drove there. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously sat in the garden and got this bush black cap. So, yeah, there's some crazy things. Well, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, John, remember, this is a youth podcast, so don't give anyone ideas, eh? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So, especially not you. You're in your matric, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're giving me ideas. I'm starting to write it down, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's pretty cool anyways. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant birding. And uh, yeah, definitely if people want to, there's a lot of resources on social media, on, 
you know, uh, on just a quick Google search and that will also take you to great places. There's obviously the famed book, Birding Gauteng, which is basically the Bible for birding destinations in and around our area. Uh, if birders are interested in coming up to our neck of the woods, that's the book they need to get. It's got a whole host of information. All the sites that I've just mentioned now are all covered in there and uh, it's great. So yeah, if, they, if you're interested in coming up to our area, get your hands onto that book. It, you might struggle because I believe it's they haven't done a, a reprint uh, and I also believe that the last couple of copies have been sold so your best pet is probably looking for second hand copies somewhere or perhaps some bird clubs might still have stock that they're selling um, who knows but yeah definitely try to get your hands onto that book if you're coming up here and of course if anyone's heading up to Gauteng they should contact you guys as well um, but uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing you guys sometime this year. Um, but uh, yeah, John, I think we've had a pretty decent chat. Uh, got some good topics covered here. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on the, the podcast today. Yeah, no, man, it's, it's only a pleasure and it's been a fantastic opportunity to chat to you. I love it. I love the Birding Life team. I love what everybody's up to. So, yeah, well done on a fantastic podcast. I think it's a great resource for youth the world over. So, uh, yeah, if any young birders out there looking for any information or whatever, uh, just want to have a chat, get some guidance in terms of guiding as a profession, whatever the case might be, you're more than welcome to contact me as well. Obviously, they must just contact you. Uh, through the Birding Life Youth Podcast and then uh, we can see how we can assist them as well. More than happy to do that. Cool bananas. Well, shut, man. Um, I hope to see you guys sometime this year. Maybe go out birding. Thanks for listening and remember you can check out the Birding Life on all your social media platforms and your preferred podcast players. Until next time, happy birding. Happy birding.